Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast, a podcast for diehard Bengals fans, especially if you're still listening to this. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Zem Hude. Zem, say what's up to the Hude Nation. What's going on, beautiful people? We are here. We are getting very close to Judgment Day. Ace Boogie, New Strike City, Zem Hude, Cincy's Jungle, SB Nation. How y'all doing today? Hopefully you guys are, are doing a little better than you were after that game conceded yesterday. Um, as Zim mentioned, I am Ace Boogie. You can find my stuff on YouTube at New Stripe City. He is Zim Hude. You can find his stuff on Instagram at Zim underscore Hude. You can also find him on Twitter at Zim Hude. You can find me on Twitter at New Stripe City. Um, this podcast is being brought to you by the SB Nation Network. It is, is entitled the Cincy Jungle podcast obviously if you're listening to this you probably know that by now but if you don't and you want to tell friends about this podcast and you like what you hear from our network and syndicate of podcasts be sure to give us a listen a like and a review with that being said let's get into what we're all here for i think it's only right that we let them take the floor for discussing the andy dalton debacle of four <laughs> interceptions, almost five but four interceptions yesterday um, clearly, we beat this topic with a with almost into submission, but Zim, I got to get your take on what happened and transpired yesterday because the Dalton lovers are pretty quiet today. Okay, so what happened is Dalton has he must have saw Joe Burrow's Heisman speech and says, "You know what? I'm gonna help these guys out." When Dalton first was thrust back into the lineup, everyone said Dalton's gonna ruin the tank. We come to find out Dalton's actually a mechanic, and he's working well on the tank. So we're well on our way. In regards to the game, the defense did really, really well in the first half. Very common theme. Dalton does just enough. Very common theme. Patriots come out second-half adjustments. Defense takes over the game for them for the very best defense in, in the NFL probably currently right now, if not the very best secondary. Um, and Dalton just met his match. I think when he first – came back, we saw the arm, uh, the difference in just the, the velocity of the ball. I think on a pick six to Gilmore, um, to Stephon Gilmore, I think that was the first time I said, oh, I remember, like, his his arm is probably B minus, you know. And the good corners, the Revises of the world, and the guys that can go on the island like Stephon Gilmore, he's going to eat that up. He could have probably had more than that. You say almost five, I almost counted six. And it's to the point where I just think we should just be looking at Jake Dolagala because I think the asset that we do have with the potential, like someone like the Patriots would take a real good look at Jake Dolagala and be able to offer you something that maybe no other team would for like, I mean, he's got the same structures like a Brady. He's a little bit taller. I think he's like six four, six five. Brady's like six two. So, you know, they, they have some things that measure well. And Jake Dolagala has a strong arm. I, like you said, I, I'm pretty – the Dalton thing is over for me. So I'm thinking about what's coming up this upcoming week and how can we get our future set up. I think this week they need to activate Jake Dolagala and get him some reps, even if it's in a backup role, in case Dalton throws three, 
four picks or something coming up against the Dolphins. Then you got Jake Dolagala ready looking at the game plan. What do you think about that, Ace? I think that that's a great idea. I mean, obviously, we have been kind of in Jake's corner for a while. If you guys have been listening to us since the start of our podcast, we kind of wanted to see what Jake could offer. Um, even talked about it when they announced that Andy Dalton will be sitting and that Ryan Finley will be the starter. And, you know, we don't we don't discriminate against quarterbacks. We got we told you guys what Ryan Finley would be. Uh that came to fruition. We told you guys that we always wanted to see Jake and I think at this point it definitely makes sense. Um, like you said, to at least have him activated, whereas if Andy does go out there and really has another Randy Fulton kind of game uh, he's waiting in the wings for us to see what he has there. And then we're also seeing a guy that is a different type of quarterback compared to the other two that are on the roster. You're talking about a guy that has a lot of arm strength, a guy that, like you said, is going under the radar. And if the Bengals did really value him as much as they did with trying to mask him and hide him, uh, why not get him some game reps out there? I mean, even if it's a, at a point where, the Dolphins are just both boat racing the Bengals, and Dalton isn't even really playing bad. Why not just throw Jake Delagala out there just to see, you know, what it looks like? Um, going back to the game, I think that, uh, I mean, we know what Andy Dalton's thing was. Like Zim said, we don't have to really touch on that. If you've been, if you've been listening to us, you already know what that is. I, hey, look, he's, hey, look, everybody listen. Ace is like, going back to the game, let's analyze this thing. What are we talking about? Before the game kicks off, 
and he's there with Boomer Esiason, and Boomer he didn't Esiason shy away. He didn't, didn't shy away from the helmet. Didn't shy away from it. Boomer Esiason brings him out. If you haven't seen this, I don't know how you haven't, but if you haven't, check out Boomer's account. There's a clip where he brings Joe Burrow into the studio, congratulates him on the Heisman uh, Trophy, but then has a Bengals helmet with him and pretty much says from one Bengal to another Bengal, congratulations, Joe Burrow. Um, basically says Joe Burrow, and if you've been listening to Boomer for the last two weeks or two shows, he's been saying that he feels like Burrow to Cincy is going to happen and should happen. And apparently he did this back in the day with Carson Palmer in 2002 when he won the Heisman and he was on the show. Apparently he handed him a Bengals helmet as well. So um, definitely a – weekend that really locked in and killed any momentum of the Bengals drafting anyone other than uh, Joe Burrow. And then the Giants go out and win. I mean, it's almost the announcer, the announcer, it, everything's going towards our way. Remember, I was so scared of the Redskins. What happens? Haskins has the best game of his NFL career. So even if the Redskins end up in front of us, they are not taking a quarterback. They're going to take Andrew Thomas or whatever. Yeah, they're going to take Andrew Thomas. There's no way they're drafting a quarterback, but Haskins playing at the level that he's playing at now. A perfect storm happened. And Pittsburgh Steelers lost last night. What more could you want, people? Exactly, exactly. So from that standpoint, I think it's just funny to see um, a lot of people switching towards the Joe Burrow bandwagon. So it's good to see everybody finally starting to come together. Um, Just want to make one thing clear. This was never about – you know, Chase Young, Hayden Chase Young, we were fans of Chase Young. We were believers in his abilities. We just were not fans of selecting him for our team because it was clear, if you didn't see it yesterday, it's clear what this team's weakness is. And it's clear that if you want to compete in this league, you have to have a competent quarterback. And the Bengals are going to have to take that swing on Joe Burrow. Um, but with that being said, I will give them the floor to talk about what happened with Burrow this weekend and what we can look forward to going forward with this number one pick. And just a second, what you're just saying too, uh, inside story, I shared a story with my guys and girls at the Zim Who Day live stream I do on Instagram. If you're in search of the game and you want to see it, you want to talk with other Bengals fans, come to Zim underscore Who Day on Instagram. I do it every Sunday. I haven't let anybody down, even though I want to go to more games, I'm still streaming. So come check it out. But in the middle of that, I shared a small story. I live in Washington, D.C. area. My childhood friend, Elijah Brooks, is the coach for DeMatha High School. I've seen Chase Young in person. I've even shook Chase. He reminded me last week. He said, you don't remember you came to the locker room and shook Chase Young's hand and everything? And I said, bro, I don't even remember. I mean, Chase Young has been balling out. So if anybody, you know, knows Chase Young or seen him, it would probably be me. And I love Chase Young. If the Bengals could figure out a way to move, uh, let's say you want to move A.J. Green or you want to move somebody and go get another first-round pick and you have a way to get to the top three again and get a Chase Young and Joe Burrow, hell yeah, sign me up. But we only got one number number one pick, and hopefully it will be the number one pick. But over the weekend, Joe Burrow wins the Heisman Trophy uh, overwhelmingly. I think he went 48 uh, votes versus two to Chase Young, who came in second. It's very clear. It's very apparent. Anyone tell you that they think he's going to be a bust, they're just hating. They drink cool. That they, they drink a haterade, and they, and they get thirsty, and sometimes they just need another glass of it. So we're just going to give it to them. Joe Burrow had a speech 
for all of Ohio, Athens, Ohio. So he's telling about how currently there's children in need, poverty. He's crying at the podium. So Dalton lovers are really, really, really sick now. Like, ah, we got another hero on our hands. Not to mention, he looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. So, I mean, at at the same time, he's got the pill. I might see him on GQ. You're going to see him all over the place. And you mean to tell me y'all don't want a part of that? And on top of that, we're not even talking about he's the best quarterback prospect probably since Andrew Luck. And people will say, okay, the four years before what happened, the four years before, two years he had injuries. The year after that, they had a run-heavy scheme. This year they finally turned into the Saints offense, which he's currently running. I forgot the guy that, you know, is running the show with that offense. But they converted over that, and he's thrived. His processing the field is, is phenomenal. But at the end of this show, I wanted to play that speech for you guys. So if you never even heard Joe Burrow's speech or whatever, we're going to let you hear the speech here live on Orange is New Black podcast. But aside from that, we've got scenarios coming up. Right now, we are battling. The biggest game of our season is coming up against the Dolphins for three and what are they, three and 11? I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, 3 and 11, Ace? I believe right? so. Okay, believe and, we're, so. and we're 1 and 13, whatever. All right. But if we lose this game, the number one pick locked up. People are giving me all these other different scenarios. Well, if we win and then the Giants and that, all we have to do is lose Sunday. We have the number one pick, the thing that will change our franchise forever, Joe Burrow coming to the Cincinnati Bengals. What else are we talking about today, Ace, besides that? Uh, besides that, I mean, there's not really, in my, in my uh, thoughts, there isn't really much to really talk about outside of that. Um, can we lose this Dolphins game? I think that is a possibility. Uh, but can we I win think, it? Can we, can we win it? Yes. Yeah, I think that we can win it out of these last two games. And the reason I say that is because, um, with me being in, you know, Florida, I kind of see what's going on. And obviously I kind of have an interest in seeing, you know, what Miami is going to do. Cause obviously, I mean, not just Miami, but the Jets, the Giants, anybody, Redskins, I've been paying attention to them. And I've seen that one of the reasons when Miami started winning was because of Devontae Parker was kind of emerging as their best player on offense. And they ended up losing him. I believe it was like, two weeks ago or a week ago, and, oh, it looks like he actually played. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was wrong about that. So no, no, like he, no, he went he crazy. Did, he did actually go crazy and score two touchdowns. Um, So, yeah, I think we could actually loosen that game <laughs> because uh, if they are, if they have all hands on deck uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick um, and Ryan Fitzpatrick outplays Andy Dalton, I think that we could definitely be looking at the loss. Um, but it is a winnable game, I think, out of, um, you know, you look at the last two games with the Browns, you look at the Dolphins, I think it's easy to say that the Dolphins are the worst of the two. Um, so, like you said, I think we, we definitely need to lock up that pick. I don't know if a lot of people were kind of saying that they were kind of upset or not upset, but kind of scared about some of the comments that Joe Mixon made after yesterday's game, thinking that his morale is so low that he will leave the Bengals. Um, so I don't know if that plays in a factor here. Nah, he'll, um, be, he'll, but, he'll be good, man. He'll yeah, be I good. Think he'll be fine. Like, you talk to anybody after a tough loss, especially when you play a good first half like that against maybe a team that's probably Super Bowl bound, you're going you're gonna to feel low. 
one guy posed a question to me, and a lot of people posed a question to me, is like, do you offer him a contract after this season? I say no. I think Joe Mixon is going to try to take a king's ransom if you try to do it now. And the following year, if we can get Joe Burrow to show his value, then that will give Joe Mixon a – that will give him a discount. And then you probably go into picking up his fifth-year option anyway. And then after that, running backs, you know, you'll probably be looking at another running back anyway. Why? That's a good question for you. Why, why do we not see Trayvon Williams at the end of these games? Yeah, I'm like, not why, sure why do we draft him? Ronnie Anderson was going to play a key role, had, you know. But Trayvon Williams, we just uh, drafted him. They don't play him. Joe Mixon, I know they want to get him into the flow of it. I know he wants his 1,000 yards. But at the end of the game, why are we even risking that? Why is he not, like? Why are you not getting the rookie some reps? Right, I I totally agree. I mean, maybe it's I I don't know. That was a weird kind of draft pick for me, given that we had Geo and Joe, um, and then to not play them, it was just just kind of weird. I don't. I'm not sure what their what their reasoning is behind that. Um, I think obviously Joe wanted to get things going. Um, I don't know if Gio would feel some type of way if you sat him down. I think maybe that's yeah. more of a locker room thing because, for me, I, I think, like, one thing that I'll say about Joe Mixon um, that he's really gained my respect from this year is that he moves around like a leader of this team. He moves around with the mindset that a quarterback should have. And it's crazy that this is a team, and I kind of talked with one of my coworkers about this, you got to have those guys on the sideline that, are, you know, willing to at least look like they actually want to be there. You want to see these guys pumping up guys on the sideline. And when you don't have those guys, when you don't have the Tom Brady's and you don't have those leaders out there, you know, picking up not only the offense but also going over to the defense, like he was doing things that a quarterback like Andy Dalton should be doing. And to me, I don't feel like that's been rewarded and it's been overlooked, especially in a season like this where it's very simple for anybody to really just give up uh, in this league at this point. He's always played with heart and determination, and he's, as a running back, tried to put this team on his back. I mean, you look at the 136 yards yesterday, and you just look at his performances over these past four weeks, it's been Joe Mixon carrying this team. And it's it hasn't just been this year. It was last year. And, and times where things were crazy, I don't think it's a coincidence. When I went to the 49ers game, he was the guy that was coming over to the crowd and telling us to get loud, stuff like that. Um I think he needs to be a captain. I think next year this guy should be a captain of the team because his energy is very is very where it should be as a leader of this team. And for him to not have a C on his jersey is just somewhat appalling to me. And I, I know that I kind of got off topic, but to me, one thing that I will say that has been a bright spot this season has been the emergence of Joe Mixon as a leader. And I, I hear people kind of talk about him for other things, but let's give him his flowers when it comes to being a leader this season um, in, a, in a trying season that we've had this year. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think about Bill Belichick saying that he probably thinks he's the best running back in the NFL, though? I think that he's right about that. I mean, I don't think that that's like – too crazy for for him. I'm a, to I'm like a Kamara guy. I'm a Kamara. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I think Alvin Kamara. I wanted to, us to draft Kamara, but I mean, I, the skill sets are totally different. Right, with Christian right. McCaffrey, Kamara, and Mixon are probably my top three. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, mean I, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, and Saquon Barkley. I am. I'm, I've completely lost my mind. But right. I just love the way Alvin Kamara like avoids big hits and doesn't whatever. But Joe Mixon 
Will make sure he lays some shoulder pads on somebody's face if he has to. And I, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon to me, I think there's a lot of talented guys that came out of that class. Dalvin Cook is another one, mm-hmm. uh, but but I think that Joe Mixon is a guy that can really do it all. Like I think if you throw Joe Mixon, not saying that Alvin Kamara is just a proponent of that offense, but I think if you throw Joe Mixon in that offense, like he's a whole different person as well. So for me, I think that Joe Mixon, like given the circumstances that he has right now, playing behind an offensive line that's terrible, uh, playing with a quarterback that's not Drew Brees or or not anyone that can really pose a threat, so you have to face eight man fronts or ten man fronts like they did uh, in the second half of that game. Um, put him in, put him behind the Dallas Cowboys or something like that. That is obviously like a top three running back in the league. So I don't think Bill Belichick is wrong in that assessment. That could be a little bit of recruiting uh, for when Joe yeah. is a free agent, but I don't think he's wrong with that. I think when you look at this guy based off his talent alone, uh, when it comes to pulling one-handers out of the backfield, catching, the only thing I probably say he could work on or people have talked about him for kind is blocking. his blocking. But um, according to PFF and some of the other podcasts we, that we listen to, they talk about how he's improved in that area. But I think that he is definitely um, – I think he is definitely uh, – the truth. I don't think that that's a wild statement at all. Like Joe Mixon in the right circumstances, like with the right quarterback, like if Joe Burrow can come in here and we can get Jonah Williams out there, like I could see him being a back that could run for 15 to 1600 yards. I could see that easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've seen that from him. Like I came out and I think we did one of our first shows, me and you, we talked about, um, you know, we made predictions on what, uh, certain players to be, and I remember one of them was Joe Mixon, and I was clearly wrong on that because I thought that he would go over what he did last season. But this is a guy that's still about to rush for a 1,000 yards in a season where he was pretty much non-existent at the beginning of it. So it's, like, yeah. even crazy to say that he's actually getting to a 1,000 yards now. I mean, there were games where they, yeah, they would give him the ball, like, six, eight times, or even I, look, I went back and looked at, I was looking at that Bills game the other day, and I mean, it's 15 carries, 60 yards. Because I was a, I was arguing with a Steelers fan. I was like, "Yeah, we dominated them." And then Josh Allen came back at the end of the game, and, and, and he put the team on his back and scored a touchdown. But in that game, he he controlled, you know, the clock when they did hand on the ball, and I felt like he was a big part of that. And that was back when Dalton was decent. But even in a decent game like that, Dalton threw two picks. But um. Yeah, Joe Mixon is definitely a captain candidate next year. Um, Tyler Boyd had some interesting comments right after the game as well. He was saying that, hey, everything that we were, he said, did you see – I mean, anything that we ran, did you see anything work? Pretty much challenging the staff, saying maybe what they're calling, maybe they weren't prepared or maybe they didn't make the adjustments that they need to. So I thought that was like one of the first times I think I heard Tyler Boyd probably not as positive on Zach and the guys. But after these tough losses, they'll start to mount up on you. So in my mind, I don't really pay too much attention to him. I was looking at the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if y'all saw Jarvis Landry blow up on Freddie Kitchens on the sideline and him and Odell damn near crying on the sideline, and that, that thing has gone all bad over there, quick. And, and, right. they got, and they got eliminated from the playoffs. But, um, so, but moving forward, I think Joe Mixon paired with a, a good quarterback, even if it isn't Joe Burrow. Just him paired with that, like, I think the confidence that he needs or whatever, or I think it carries over. As long as he can stay healthy, I think we're good to go. I think the fact that A.J. Green didn't play at all this season 
really, 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 when I think about it, is a is a problem for me. Because and Joe has some, not to cut you off, but Joe has some interesting comments about that, saying that we need more guys that can go up and get the ball from the receiver position. That sounds like an A.J. Green kind of comment there. But he said mm-hmm. that we need to go and get more guys that can do that. What are your thoughts on that? I saw him say that, and I think he was just challenging the current guys that are there. I think he's saying, like, on some of those ones, I, I remember if there was one throw uh, that Dalton threw a little bit to the inside, and it was like supposed to be like a back shoulder play, but he had, they had Alex Erickson out there. There's a one pick that I didn't feel was Dalton's fault. I mean, it was his fault because of the ball placement, but because Erickson didn't go up and battle for it or turn his head around for it, I think like that, I think that's more so what Joe Mixon was talking about is like the current guys are there, but part of that is the quarterback has to be able to identify that with the personnel. If you're gonna put Tyler Boyd on the outside or Alex Erickson on the outside, you have to understand that the ball placement is gonna be a lot different. And I think Dalton was trying to make it like a he was trying to throw it to the outside to make sure that it, he, he's kind of protected. If my guy doesn't get it, it goes out of bounds. But Erickson goes inside. And so the guy that picks it, I think it's Jackson, um, he picks it off almost like a wide receiver running the route, like the way that he ran it. And um, I just thought that Nixon was kind of challenging those guys. Him saying that guys need to go up for, you know, make 50-50 stuff, he could be mentioning or trying to get AJ to come on back out there maybe for a game or two because remember guys they're not players aren't in on the team, so he's really trying to win these games. He's not thinking about. I know they they're hearing Joe Burrow stuff or they're hearing all that stuff, but at the same time, this is a paid professional. He may not be on the team next year. You never know with this stuff. Who knows? And and I'm not saying that. He's not going to be on the team next year, people. Please don't take that out of context. I'm just saying with the way that professional sports works, period, you can't be voting or playing for tanks, and you might hypothetically not be on the team the following year. So that's stupid. You have to play for yourself. You have to get your stats. You got to play for your team. You got to try to win. So I think him maybe challenging A.J. maybe a little bit in that. I I don't know. But what I was saying is A.J. Green not playing this year, I just think that's a recipe for an unhealthy season next year, like to me. And the more and more, like we were talking about this last week on the Orange is the New Black podcast, I'm here with my man Ace Boogie, New Stripe City. We were talking about that last week where you were saying, what do you need to see from A.J. Green? I, I need to see him get in the rhythm and flow of an NFL football game. And if he thinks he could just run on out there next year, uh, who knows if he tweaks something in spring training, you know, like in, in the, I said spring training. And um, OTAs or anything like that, you could do anything, and you and you pretty much gone like a year and a half, and you haven't played professional football. That's a tough. That's a tough thing to do. If I'm AJ Green, and even if it doesn't feel a hundred percent, I just want to get out there and run a couple things, feel the speed of it, and the fact that he looks really, really good at warmups and he's still not playing, that's another bad sign. Like I feel like he's just getting ready. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a hard situation to get a grasp on. I know his agents got to be telling them your value is only in your health. So I get that part. I know that's that that's just exactly how agents think. You can't get paid if you're hurt. So I get that part of it. So I just think that they ran it a little too long. Where you know, like you either go on IR 
or you you do this thing every week where you're just testing, testing, testing your ankle. If you got this far and you're testing your ankle still, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like that, that doesn't make sense. Just go on. You could have went on IR a long time ago. Let's say you thought you could have played this past week. Just go on IR. Just just shelf it and say yeah, it's not going to be. But to to, to have this thing linger, it bothers me. Right. Um, one last thing that I do want to talk about before we get out of here. Um, I made the mistake of not pressing the record button during Thanksgiving um, for that episode. But on that episode that you guys did not hear, we brought up Zach Taylor. So I want to bring that back into the conversation because that was an episode where we were very critical of Zach Taylor and we talked about Zach Taylor's future. Now, you mentioned a lot of players kind of said some things that kind of went against Zach Taylor. What are your thoughts on Zach Taylor and his future with the Bengals? Does he have one? Will he be back? I, I, I think they have to figure out. My dream scenario will be in free agency, go get uh, Littleton, the linebacker from the Rams. They'll have the money for that. Go get Brandon Sheriff, the guard for the Redskins. Those are my two prime free agents. After that, he wouldn't have to do much. But then we go right into the staff, right? You still keep Callahan as an offensive coordinator, but bring in his father to get this offensive line like all the way 100% where it needs to be. I don't care that Jim Turner has improved a lot. I just don't think that's that's the guy that's going to – like to go eight weeks and finally get to London and finally run like a 15-yard run with Mixon is when the breakthrough happened. I just don't – I think teams are going to start to like pick up on that. Zach Taylor's got to stop hiring his friends. Once he gets past hiring friends, and I know about trust, Dalton lovers are the most loyal people on earth. And Zach Taylor reminds me of a Dalton lover to the, the extent to the extreme where he's he's doing that with Jim Turner and these guys that don't have his best interest. He needs to get the very best staff. He needs to go get Callahan's father, go out there and do this thing a whole nother year. I think they should give him the whole entire year. If he's got Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow starts off really slow, but then we start to see the development as the year goes on. I mean, I think Zach's the guy, man. I really do. Do you think that, do you think Zach's the guy? I, I just think the play calling, he needs to probably get off of play calling. I think his persona, just his uh, his message to the guys and everything like that, I think it's going to work. The, the players that I have talked to have faith in him. So that's just the inside track on, like, the players do believe him. If you look at the defense, like, they are swarming the ball. They're like Lou Anarumu. I think we can keep them. I think they're, they're playing hard. They didn't look good in the second half. But, I mean, you're going against Bill Belichick, and your quarterback is just giving the ball to the other team. It's just no way to – there's no way to offset that. And so I, I'm okay with that. But Zach's got to get a better staff around him. And I think Callahan's father might be the key. If he wants, everything has gone bad. Everybody's forgot about this. What about Zach Taylor's brother? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With the Eagles, you know, like, the Eagles haven't had the season that they thought they were going to have. What about Zach bringing in his brother and them kind of going in and, and having him come in there and help him with some play calling? We need to get all of the pressure off of Zach and the play calling aspect. He's had to deal with all this Cordy Glenn stuff, all this stuff, the A.J. Green injury stuff, the, the all these guys on IR, all these different things going on around him. I just think he needs to focus on being a coach next year and get away from the play calling portion, have his input on there, you know, communicate like he says he does. And I I still believe in Zach Taylor, but he's got to get the quarterback and he's got to get the people around him, lock in on the two key free agents that I say, and I think we will be fine. Will we go to playoffs? I'm not 100% sure, don't think so. But I think I got patience for development, and if I see progress, I got patience. But walking out there and feeling like we felt in the last nine, ten weeks of this football season is very draining on anyone. What do you think they need to do, Ace? Um, so from my my uh, standpoint on Zach Taylor, uh, several mistakes that he made this year. Uh, hiring Frank Pollock, as you touched on. Another one was no, not- fine, like letting Frank Pollock go. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, I said the wrong person. Um, letting Frank Pollock go and hiring Jim Turner, uh, number one mistake there. Uh, number two, I would probably say, as you said, um, sticking up for guys like Jim Turner, especially given a checker history there, especially when you're preaching character and things of that nature. I think another thing is not relinquishing um, play calling duties. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with him giving that responsibility to someone like a Bill Callahan or someone like that. Um, that's another mistake that I think has been made and that players have seen. Uh, I think that he's definitely made some mistakes in, in key moments in games, but I'm not sure if it's to help the tank or, or what it is there. Um, but I think that there's also restrictions that have been placed on Zach by this Bengals front office, uh, primarily Duke Tobin and some of the moves that were made in an effort uh, to rebuild this Bengals team uh, with certain areas that were not addressed. Uh, you talk about the offensive line. I'm not sure that, you know, what role Zach played in keeping Bobby Hart, but I don't think that it was a major one. Uh, you look at the draft that happened, that was probably out of Zach's hands. You talk about the timing that Zach had when it comes to putting together his staff. He basically had to pick over the leftovers and the scraps, um, essentially waiting that long. It's a, it's crazy that we even got Lou Anarumu because that was looking bad. Uh, but, you know, it gives more respect for people who uh, saw what Marvin Lewis put up with, not to say that Marvin Lewis didn't need to go. He needed to. Uh, but that's another thing that Zach is going to have to battle with. Also with things like not having the biggest scout team, the Bengals as a whole need to improve a lot of things this off season from a front office standpoint um, in order to give Zach um, something to help him. And I don't think he's really had the help. That's not to take any blame away from him. He can get better as well. Uh, but I think that you have to at least give this guy a season where he gets to draft his guy like a Jaburo 
um, at the quarterback position and see what happens, um, especially in a year where you transitioned from a team that is pretty much 80% Marvin Lewis players. Um, so for me, I don't think that Zach is essentially just off the hook. I think he'll be back. Um, outside of that, I, I just think that he has to improve, like you said. Uh, yeah, I think this season will teach him a lot. And call me crazy, man. I just think that we'll always remember this, but we'll remember the birth of the Burrow babies even more. And the and it, and it always starts off kind of like stories start off like this. Sometimes I saw a really, really good stat on some coaches like Jimmy Johnson that started off at with this same one-win type of season and come back and win Super Bowls. So I'm praying it works in our favor. I want to close it out, like I say, with the pride of Athens, Ohio. Joe Burrow, your Heisman Trophy winner. We're going to put this in the universe. We're going to win by losing this upcoming week to the Dolphins. And we're locked in. Anybody that said that Joe Burrow doesn't want to be a Bengal, he's held the helmet. He's told you how he felt about Ohio. He cried tears. He gave you laughter. He has the world in his hands right now. They raised $100,000 in 18 hours for Athens, Ohio. This guy wants to be a Bengal. We need to make him a Bengal. Number one pick, who they? Whew. Uh, no, I think the first thing I want to say is I want to thank my old line first. <laughs> Sadiq, Adrian, Ed, Lloyd, D. Lou, Austin, Badara, Thad, our tight end with, with the chips for guys like Chase. Uh, those guys have been unbelievable this year, and I couldn't have, couldn't have done it without them. I got so many weapons on the outside, Terrace, Jamar, Justin. I mean, those guys have been unbelievable. All, all my teammates have, have supported me, welcomed me with, with open arms. A kid from Ohio coming down to the bayou and, and welcomed me as brothers. And it's been so awesome. I want to thank the, the Heisman people for a great weekend. Thank you for, for allowing me to be here, and as well as my family. And it's, it's an honor to stand on the same stage as, as all of you guys. It's, I grew up watching most of you, and it, it's just an honor to be on the same stage, eat dinner with you guys. It's been so awesome. And, and you've all been so kind to me. My parents, the, like, like Tom said, my, my dad, had, first time in 51 years that he wasn't a a player or, or a coach, and him retiring this year has been, you know, a dream come true for me and my family. Uh, my brothers in the audience, my mom. And I'm just so thankful for for LSU and Ohio State uh, playing at two of the the best programs in the country. Great coaches, both places. It's my my journey. I wouldn't have traded it for for anything in the world. 
You know, I think the the story of this this Heisman Trophy with me, Justin, Jalen, and Chase, we have three transfers who, who've all had different stories. Uh, three great players, and you know, both of those guys have, have pushed through adversity. It's awesome hearing their stories and, and sharing this this weekend with them. I just I tried to leave a legacy of hard work and and preparation and loyalty and dedication everywhere I go. And I, I'm surrounded by such great people that make that so so easy. Great strength coaches. Coach Mick is in the audience. My strength coach from from Ohio State and and Coach Moffitt is, is watching from home and they've made me a great person and, and a great player and, and so much better because of them. Coming from, from Southeast Ohio, it's it's a very, very impoverished area and the, the the poverty rate is almost two times the the national average and there's so many people there that, that don't have a lot and I'm up here for all those all those kids in Athens and in Athens County that you know go home to not a lot of food on the table hungry after school and you guys can be up here too I'd like to thank Louisiana, the entire state. Like I said earlier, just just a kid from Ohio coming down chasing a dream. And the entire state has welcomed me and my family with, with open arms and, and invited us in to, to be native Louisianians. I've I've learned to, to love crawfish and gumbo. And you know, during crawfish during crawfish season we Coach O makes sure we got we have pounds and pounds and pounds of crawfish during that year. Um, Coach O. You have no idea what you mean to my family? I didn't play for three years. You took a chance on me. Not knowing if I could play or not. And I'm forever in your... Forever grateful for you. Can you imagine a guy like Coach O giving me the keys to to his football program. He just means so much to me and my family. And to LSU. I sure hope they give him a lifetime contract. He deserves it. Amen. Coach Joe, Coach Steve, Coach Munoz, all here. You know, these guys have helped me so through so much, understanding the game, putting so much on my plate that 
And I couldn't couldn't ask for a better group of coaches to help me be successful. So thank you to everyone, everyone here. I've, there's so many people that that I should thank, and I, unfortunately I just don't have the time. But those people know what they mean to me and my family. And so when I when I lift this trophy again, it's for LSU, Ohio State, Southeast Ohio, and and all of Louisiana. Thank you. Congratulations. 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 Congratul